which I set before you, and calling to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has given us, and return to the Lord your God, you and your children, and obey his voice in all that I command you today, with all your heart and with all your soul. Then the Lord your God will restore your fortune and have compassion on you. And he will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. If your outcasts are in the upper, uttermost parts of heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will take you. And the Lord your God will bring you into the land that your fathers possessed, that you may possess it. And he will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offering. So that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live. And the Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies and enemies who persecute you. And you shall again obey the voice of the Lord and keep all his commandments that I command you today. The Lord your God will make you abundantly prosperous in all the work of your hands, in the fruit of your womb, and in the fruit of your cattle, and in the fruit of your ground. For the Lord will again just take delight and prosper you as he took delight in your fathers. And you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his statutes that are written in this book of God. And you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and your fathers. So, what about when all these things have come upon you? The things that God has warned them about. They're exiled, they're banished. Well, if they return, verse 2, to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and soul, there is an opportunity for them to repent and turn back to God even after the execution of these judgments when they're in exile, when they're being punished, they can come back to the Lord. And if they do that, then the Lord will restore them from captivity and have compassion on them and regather them. It's almost like the, uh, rewind on a movie or recorder or something. The exiles come back. The promised land is given back. The prosperity comes back. The enemies are defeated. You know, it just kind of reverses all those things that had happened. And the curses now would be directed against their enemies where they belong. But all of that depends on their repentance and depends on the Lord, verse 6, performing radical surgery, heart surgery on these people. The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul so that you may live. God deals with the source of the problem. The problem is a heart that doesn't love God. That is, that is the bottom line. It always is the bottom line. We look at people who don't serve the Lord, who stray away from the Lord, and we wonder what's the problem? What didn't they get? You know, how, what was wrong with their childhood? You know, uh, what, what, what genetic issues do they have? We have all kinds of things we ask. But the fact is, they have a heart that's rebellious, that's, that's covered over with sin, that's hardened. That's always our problem. When we turn away from the Lord, it's a heart issue. And we need to turn back to Him with our heart. You know, it's not just an intellectual issue. It's not an issue of some terrible thing that happened to us. It's ultimately that our heart wasn't with the Lord. We don't love Him with all our heart and soul. And that's what we must do. And so, if Israel obeys and wholeheartedly returns, then God will bless them abundantly. God will, will help them in, uh, so much if, if they will do that. If they listen to the voice of the Lord. Verse 10 is literally that. If you listen to the voice of the Lord your God. To keep his commandments and his statutes which are written in this book of the law. Isn't that an interesting thing? The voice of the Lord 
is reflected in these things that are written in the book of the law. We again have this philosophy that the things that are written are really not so spiritual because they're written. I'm not sure why we think that, but that's a common thought in our culture. But, but this passage identifies the things that are written with the voice of the Lord. We need to listen to these things as if the Lord were actually speaking them to us. If we could actually hear the voice of the Lord as we read these things. That's the idea of this. Uh, and so, here's the blessings after the exile when they repent and return to the Lord and love Him with all their heart and soul. Comments and questions? Awesome. You go back to Deuteronomy 6 where, where he talks there in verse 4 through 8 about binding them on your hearts and teaching them to your children. And that's that's back where we're at, right? That was the beginning of the book, of the instructions. They've heard all of the instructions. They've heard the curses, the blessings. And now again, it's a reminder of where they should be and how we should be teaching them diligently to our children. <coughs> Definitely. Other thoughts? 11 to 14. For this commandment which I command you today is not political for you, nor is it out of reach. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will go up to heaven for us to get it for us and make us hear it, that we may observe it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will cross the sea for us to get it for us and make us hear it, that we may observe it? But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may observe it. See, I have Isn't this what we need? You know, we often will exaggerate the difficulty of getting the commands, of grasping them, of understanding them, of following them. And he is saying, these commandments I'm giving you are not out of reach. They're not impossibly idealistic. They're not incomprehensible. They're not things that are impossible to attain to. He says, it's not in heaven for you to have to go up to heaven and get them. It's not beyond the sea to have to cross over the sea and get it. This word is very near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. This is, he's saying this is not beyond your, capa- your capacity. You know, you could imagine that God could have written to us in some sort of abstract, intellectual way that was very remote that it would take a genius IQ to get it. It could be some kind of complex system of rules that you'd have to have a photographic memory to ever ever figure out. It could be some obscure philosophy that only the most literary would ever relate to. Uh, you don't need a special interpreter for this. This is attainable. This is in your mouth and in your heart. That is, you can speak them, you can understand them, You know, that's what he'd said to do, right? He'd said to love God with all your heart and talk of Him and speak these things and write them on your door and and put them on your forehead and on your hand and all of that. These things were attainable. We overstress sometimes that, oh, this is just so difficult. And I hear people say, I'm just not smart enough. You know, I'm just not intelligent enough to get this. That's not the case. He is saying this is not remote and inaccessible. It's certainly true that we will always grow in our knowledge. 
we will never understand everything. The Bible is deep, and, and there are mature principles. It's not so much intellectually deep as it is spiritually deep, but, but certainly we will keep learning and keep growing. No doubt about that. But, but this is not something that it's inaccessible to know what we must do to please the Lord. And it's not like what he says is impossible for us to accomplish. God loves us. And, and as Jesus said in Matthew 11, he thanked God that he'd hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed, revealed them into the babies. You know, the people who are simple-minded, who, who, who lack you know, intellectual prowess, are the people who most quickly grasp the truths of the Bible. These things are accessible. It is an excuse when we say they're not. When we say it's too hard to understand or too hard to do, that's us copping out. Moses said these things are attainable. These words are picked up on by Paul in Romans 10 to make the same application to justification by faith. Just as the commands in Moses' day were attainable and accessible, justification by faith in Christ is something that's accessible and attainable by all people. Comments and questions? Yes? You know, several times throughout the Bible, God talks about, um, about man not adding uh, more laws than what, um, to God's word than what God has already instructed us to do. And for one, it's against God's um, law, and two, it's counterproductive. There's no reason to make things more complicated um, uh, for the Bible than what's already been necessary. You know, God has made it, you know, doable for all of us to follow what He's, at, what he's asking us. Yeah, it's a matter of really trusting God that what He said is sufficient, is adequate, and will accomplish what it needs to. It doesn't need our power or assist. Other thoughts? Yes. This passage reminds me of 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where it says, you know, we don't face anything, we can't get through, and this leaves us without excuse, so we won't blame God and ask God and wonder why, why, because we don't. Yes, exactly. First Corinthians 10, 13 leaves us with hope, but doesn't leave us with a way to blame. If, if the temptation has a way to escape, then it's my fault if I don't follow it. But it, it does mean that there's hope. I can I can do what's right. Jerry L. Um, and we can find, like, when James Day says that, um, that God doesn't show any partiality, and so do we. And if you look at this text, it says that um, it's for everyone. And if you think it is for everyone, you can't, um, God won't do something God won't contradict himself. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Everyone can understand and follow. That's right. Okay. 15 to uh, 20. <coughs> See, I've set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God to walk in His ways, and to keep His commandments, and His statutes, and His judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. But if your heart turns away, and you will not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, 
I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess it. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, and your, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, by holding fast to him. For this is your life and the length of your days, that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give him. You know, a good sermon ends with a challenge, ends with a choice. And Moses' words come down to a decision that must be made. There is life and prosperity. There is death and adversity. And the options are stark. You know, there are two polar opposites. And which one will we choose? You know, will we walk in His ways and keep His commandments? Or will our heart turn away and be drawn after other gods? That's the choice. It's a life and death, blessing and curse choice. We make that decision. The Bible is presented to man with the assumption that man has a choice, that man has, within limits, free will. It would be a cruel joke to present a choice like this to a robot to a doll with a string that you pull doesn't have a choice pre-programmed but the fact that God presents man with choices like this indicates that God understands man to be capable of choosing and with the choice comes a consequence it's really the book of Proverbs the book of Proverbs teaches The idea that choices have destinies. There are two ways, there are two paths, there are two roads. When you come to a crossroad, and you have to decide, will I go this way, or will I go that way? How do you decide? Do you look at this way and you say, you know, this way is really nicely paved. It's downhill. It's well shaded. I think I like it. And you look at this way and you say, this is sort of uphill. I see curves. It's narrow. I don't want that way. Well, that'd be foolish. Do you ever do that? Would you ever come to a crossroads and say, uh, you know, I just like the looks of that road better than this one? Almost always when we come to a crossroad, the choice of which road we will take depends on where we're trying to go. If we want to go this way, we don't take that road. It doesn't lead us this way. We take the road that gets us to the right destination. In our life, we have choices. We have a road that leads to life, a road that leads to death. Now the truth is, the road that leads to to life is not as attractive in some ways. It's narrower. It's uh, more demanding. it's, uh, it's, It's more strict. And, and the road that leads to death is broad and it's easy and uh, you really don't have to do much of anything to go down that road. But, but are, we, are we choosing based upon what, what the road looks like to us or are we choosing based upon where we want to go? We've got to keep in mind the result, the destiny. It is not always going to be easy to choose to serve God. There are times when the easier thing certainly would be to choose the road that leads to death. But how foolish... 
How foolish to choose death just because I like the way that goes that direction. Just because it's more fun at the moment, or easier, or whatever. Any sensible person should choose the road that leads to eternal life regardless of the difficulty. It really doesn't matter. You don't want to go down a dead end. You want to go in the way that leads to life, that leads to, to being with God. There's the choice that Moses leaves these people. Amen. Comments and questions? Yes. Carry on. Um, if you go down the, in the skinny road, you know that you can't fit through there so that um, you won't get like crushed. And like the train right there, you know that you won't um, get, you won't get stopped and you won't die. Yes. Okay. Alex, you uh, you would typically take the easy road because it's more comfortable. But when you look at it with all these curses, it's not really more comfortable. I mean, I know that the following the laws is not easy, but not following the laws isn't really easy either. But the devil's a master of deception, and he makes it look more appealing and more attractive. He makes it look easier. But you're right; in the long run, it is not at all. Uh, it's a lot of uh, fake gold. Other thoughts? Okay. Chapter 31, verses 1 